Hello, Heron. Hello, Tom. So, I have only a, a few topics in front of me this evening. Do you have any topics you want to start with? Yeah, I wanted to uh, drop back on dreaming mm-hmm. for a while. Um, I've, I, I guess I've given up on it. Mm. <laughs> you know, um, I've got really tired of just looking for something, you yes. know, and uh, not getting anything. You know, yeah. I had a couple of interesting dreams, but I don't really give a shit. You know, <laughs> they, yeah. they certainly weren't earth shaking. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, you know, we'll see. It'd be nice. But maybe, uh, maybe I need my sleep. <laughs> Perhaps so. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's like a muscle. All right, that's probably the worst possible metaphor. It's something that if well, you close to the worst anyway. <laughs> yeah, it, I don't even know how I can decompress the dreaming thing for people that don't do it because it's not something. It's so implicit to me, but at the same point, it's come through years of cultivation. Yeah, you live in a different universe. Clearly. Though. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's that's a topic that I wanted to talk about this evening. Yeah, well, we all live in different universes. That's, yes. the, that's a little terrifying when you first I mean, come to my that My perspective one. is associated with dreaming is that it's so completely part of a wide variety of the learning that I have done. Yeah. And that may sound, and I've gone back and heard a few of the podcasts where we've talked about this, and I've just thought, to a novice listener or someone who's coming to this podcast, this might be a reason to actually stop listening to the podcast. <laughs> but there are still a small number of devotees that understand what I'm saying. And I think it's in a, a kind of testament to the eccentric, crazy stuff that has motivated me. I've got to say, dreaming's up there, but it's not, you know, it's not chaotic or unstructured dreaming. It's actually dreaming that has, you know, a variety of techniques behind it, which if you're not up to speed with, and my perspective is it's something which is best cultivated <laughs> as, as early as possible. Yeah. But if you're not up to speed with it, then, you know, you've got plenty of other tools in your tool chest. I don't necessarily think that dreaming needs to be, you know, one of Well, it's just, you know, it, anyway, it's that seems to be over. I just yeah. got tired of waking up every night and maybe... <laughs> well, you were doing it particular. I mean, you had your own particular curious kind of approach to the whole process well the so whole idea is to start dreaming yeah because I, mean, I, I my essentially i have no memories of dreams i mean maybe once a month and yeah. they're and they're trivial you yeah. know so i mean i was trying to instigate it you know and it did and i did have you know seven or eight dreams a month mm. you know or more actually maybe even mm. 10 you know and some of them are kind of interesting <laughs> you yeah, know, a but, bedroom isn't particularly well light shielded, and I find myself waking at dawn and then sleeping for probably an hour and a bit more. Mm-hmm. And that period of time is actually very fascinating ah, for me ah. because that is the point where I really do have a strong understanding that I'm entering into a well-defined dream yeah. space. You know, and I I find that I'm naturally doing. Well, I don't know if I'm doing anything then, but I mean, I've I've consistently woken up. Before I need to get up, yeah, mm. uh, in the uh, in the last six months or yeah. so, and that's sort of new to me, you know, because yeah. usually I the alarm is what woke me up, <laughs> you know. So, yes. so anyway, now I find myself awake an hour or so before I need to get up, and I sort of go back to sleep, and I, you know, but that that could be an interesting time. Mm. Yeah. It certainly has been for me. It gives me a different quality of dreaming and considerably more playful than a lot of the regimented dreams that I, you know, ideally, not necessarily cultivate, but 
lean towards. Well, it sounds like, like going to work. It is in some <laughs> regard. It's just a different kind of job. It's funny the the dream, Tom, is a very you know very recognizable. Well, it's character. what you make it. I guess. Yes. I mean, that's the whole point of yes. it. <laughs> is yes. you can make it whatever you want. Well, who knows? Maybe I'll come back to this, or maybe I'll I'll explore this time that I have now in the morning because mm. that's uh, that's. You know, actually, until until you just said that, I hadn't actually known that I kn- know that. <laughs> you know, yes. I mean, I, I just got yeah, okay. I see that's been happening now, and I've been yes. noticing it. Yes, and now I've noticed that I've been noticing it. Yes. So, so maybe uh, maybe this isn't the time to discard these things. Maybe it's actually the time to do a little bit more exploration. Well, well, I, I've certainly got an opportunity to do that. So it would be foolish not to, wouldn't it? Very good. <laughs> Um, one other thing, it was a, a post in the um, Stone Ape group, mm-hmm. and I don't remember who, or, or you know, because I never paid attention to any of that shit. But the the point was about listening to um, audio books as opposed to reading, and the va- the relative value of of the two. Do you remember reading that one? No, I don't actually. But we discussed it last recording. We did. Yeah. You huh. raised it as a topic, and I said, well, "Oh, okay. I, all right, I I crossed all these things off my uh, list last week, but I apparently failed to cross that one." Off. <laughs> well, it was raised at the end with the view: "Shall we cover it?" And I decided that we probably should. Yeah. Well, and so we did. Yeah, we did. I mean, I and, yes, we can we can relive it, or we can just say it was covered. No, yeah, it's good enough for me. As long as I had my say, and I, you know, it was probably, like I say, uh, I've got it written here, so. Yes. Um, so I probably wrote it with something in mind. Yes. <laughs> and I guess I said you it. You had listened to an audio book that caught me by surprise. Was it The Da Vinci Code that you yeah. listened to? Yeah. Yeah. I can't imagine Heron Stone listening to The Da Vinci Code, but I guess it was. was great fun. Yeah. It was fun. Yes. <laughs> it's a great story. And well read, mm. you know? Uh, and I, 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 I think that, again, well, that's the whole idea is that's why I listen to fiction, not uh, Wittgenstein. Mm. (laughs) Listening to Wittgenstein is very interesting. Uh, uh, Really? Well, I've never even uh, imagined. It's like scat jazz in word form, right? Uh, I've never listened to it. Have you, you're bullshitting me now, or have you actually been to a Wittgenstein play or something? (laughs) Yes, there's a, there's a Philip Glass, uh, there's a Philip Glass musical associated. Ah, okay. With Listen, you can get a lot of good one-liners out of Wittgenstein, <laughs> but that's. I'm pretty good. sure that's the case. I know our better-educated yeah. listeners will probably correct me, but I'm pretty sure there is a Philip Glass musical that made made into a film on Wittgenstein, huh. including a very strange Python-esque discussion with some kind of crazy creature from Wittgenstein, or at least an interpretation of some aspect of Wittgenstein in like Python-esque. Well, Wittgenstein, form. no, he's really more like one of these ancient Chinese sages. You know, you can't, he just, he's not playing, he's not, he's not a philosopher, really. Well, that's where it gets very interesting. I mean, that begs the question, what is a philosopher? Well, yeah, which is, yeah, whatever the hell you decide to define it, you know. Yes. But Wittgenstein is outside, I think. Of the tradition of of Western philosophy. Yeah, but the tradition of Western philosophy was pretty heavily decimated through the last well, century. Yeah, I, I mean, know. Wittgenstein's I mean, the start of that, but there are plenty no, of other no, examples. No, no, he, no, he's not the beginning of it, but he's just he stands out there to me anyway. In my view of stuff, is he really sort of stands alone? 
I don't, not that I think he's right on everything, mm. but I, he doesn't, he's not even claiming that he's right on everything. You know, I mean, mm. uh, well, I don't even know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm talking about Wittgenstein. You're talking about Wittgenstein. Yes. How dare I? How dare anybody speak about Wittgenstein? <laughs> So I have just three topics in front of me, and my plan was to do relatively abstract analysis associated with these three topics. The first relates to the importance of a story, in particular a story about one's origins, or at least one's awakening origins. And I've reflected through the week, because I guess this is my first proper full week back at work, and there have been various things going on at work, but... In the incidental periods of time that I have to have independent thought, I've been reflecting on this question associated with why I am so distinctly different than other folks who've had similar experiences. Why me? Yes. And part of this reflection has been going back to listen to music that I was listening to in the early 1990s. When you were how old? When I was about 15. Okay. With the view that I think something of a turning point occurred around that period of time. And what year was this? Uh, 1992, 1993. 90. See, that whole period, I, after the, after the hippies, I mm-hmm. just, I just, really did tune out yes <laughs> so i yeah. have no no concept of what the i mean i, I heard of disco mm. and that was i guess what the 80s or the 70s late 70s know. early 80s yeah yeah yes. yeah and um so so anyway i have very little sense of the 90s of what was actually going on yes it's very strange actually because through listening to various bits of music i've found memories which i clearly had parceled off into those bits of music One of the most curious experiences I had was driving with, I don't even know whether one would call her an ex-girlfriend, but driving with someone who was a kind of teenage female friend who probably, if we were allowed unmolested to kind of continue on, would have been a girlfriend. Anyway, she had gone to Berkeley and we were in Berkeley with her boyfriend, her boyfriend's brother and, and me driving around in a car. And there were two bits of music that were played that I remember. One was actually one of my own compositions while we were driving, which was a very curious experience. And another was associated with this rapper, Ice Cube, who I've been listening to because he's the, you know, he's aside from a, a white This was the early 90s. Early 90s. Yeah. Jesus, man, I guess I missed a couple decades yeah. there. <laughs> so within that music, however, was codified some emotion which I had completely forgotten about and probably piecemeal left in place associated with this time period. And then I went back and listened to some earlier music and I realized that a lot of my bleak outlook, particularly associated with the society and the environment that I lived in, was actually codified in this music Mm -hmm. as a a mode of analysis. And I thought to myself, over this period of time, I had very limited intellectual interactions. In fact, my parents had pretty well disowned me over this period of time, and I was really kind of fending for myself in an epistemological fashion. Epistemic, perhaps, might be <laughs> And through this, I had constructed an amazing and quite elaborate way of exploring the environment that I was in with the view that I had to escape from the environment that I was in at all costs. 
And I wonder, actually, I mean, I've heard this from other folk that have had particular kinds of childhoods, that this was a motivating factor for others as well. Mm. But for mine, it was so heavily ingrained in these, you know, these lyrics and also the environment that I was in. And it was very strange listening to a track that I probably haven't heard for, I don't know, maybe 15 years, maybe longer than that, and realizing that actually within that little bit of music was a memory kind of encapsulated uh, in that. Yeah, yeah. Of this experience driving around, you know, yeah. crossing. <laughs> I, have that, I, I have yeah. a song like that from the 60s, from driving in the Arrowhead, uh, the, uh, the mountains around mm-hmm. here, yes. Lake Arrowhead, driving with my girlfriend yes. on, on a mountain road and listening to Sherry Baby. Oh, my goodness, Aaron. <laughs> Yes. And I'll, you know, that t- still, <laughs> you yes. know, that song brings me right down to the summer, you know, the wind, the trees, the girl, <laughs> what, you know, life's good. Yes. <laughs> I, a vignette, which I didn't discuss last night, probably for a variety of reasons, was when I met this artist friend of mine. We went out for coffee one morning while I was in Canberra, and... I realized that she was treating me like I wasn't a sexual entity, which was the nature of our friendship when we were friends. And I realized that this was actually very curious. Like, this was a memory that had to actually be re-engaged in front of this woman while she was describing her fixation associated with male genitalia. And I thought to myself, I left this country for very good and very well-defined reasons. And this is like an applied example of that. You know? Like, this is something that just had to happen in some kind of... Welcome home, Tom. Yes. Now get the fuck out, quickly. Before anyone notices that you're back. Yes. So, returning again to this... you're, You're a citizen of Earth. I don't you, even you, think you, I'm a citizen of Earth. The whole C word is just offensive to me. I exist in some entity form that moves through space, but I'm not a citizen of anywhere. No, you're right. You're not. Yeah. Not until you declare yourself. Exactly. I declare myself a citizen of Earth. Yeah. Yeah. No, but if no, but you, but you are. Well, a my advice to you, my advice to you as a new citizen of Earth or a citizen of Earth. It's to find people on the street, hug them, and tell them that they are your citizenry. Embrace <laughs> your fellow citizens, Heron. I could be their king. <laughs> well, that's a good way of thinking about it. Try that one out. On I the could be Maxis. running for king. Yeah. <laughs> king of Earth. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I return to this idea of origins. Like, you have a very well-defined, very organic, very plausible story associated with how you woke up. And I thought to myself, all I have is, like, I had to get out of Australia. I felt dirty, you know? I had to escape. Yeah, your story is your story. It's not going to be like my story. That's for damn sure. Well, the question is, what is the importance of a story here? Like, what I'm finding, actually, is that the story is made up of a variety of different pieces, which actually are very difficult to tell intelligibly together. Well, of course, that's it's a a work of art. (laughs) Your story yes. is your creation. Yes. And you can do it any goddamn way you want. Or you can make an artistic choice not actually to have a story. No, you can't. You've already got a story. You're stuck. 
Well, I just point to the Stone Ape recordings and say, here's my story, all 400 <laughs> no, hours. No, no, you, listen, you say you don't, but you do have a language machine that's generating all this language of yours. Well, we've spent five years on and off talking. I mean, what's my story, Heron, from your perspective? Oh, I don't know. It's, it's irrelevant. I, I don't know your story. You're, you're the only guy who knows your story. I mean, you, some of it you, you can tell, but I mean, you know, that's <laughs> some of it is just off limits. <laughs> well, no, well, it's just, it's not important to me. Yes. I mean, your story is your, but it's important to you. <laughs> well, well here's, here's my question to you. Does it have to be important to me? Can I just, oh, no, of course story? not. No, you don't have to have a story. I just, I just think you're fooling yourself if you think that's possible. Well, my question is, I guess, if so much of my story is repressed, if so much of my story has to come through... Wait a minute, through, I, wait, I, did I say you, your story was repressed? Well, what I'm saying is my experience is in terms of rediscovering my story through meeting uh, people in cafes and listening to, you know, abrasive rap music 15 <laughs> years later. I mean, that doesn't strike me as being a particularly coherent story. It well, just I, strikes me as a series of interactions that... You know, refresh well, memories uh, that yeah, I've... Okay, yeah. Well, you know, until I was like 38, mm. <laughs> uh, that was how I... I didn't... It didn't fall together for me until I was nearly 40. I mean, up until then, there were these multiple threads. Yes. and the and But they were sequential. I mean, well, they overlapped, but but they were sequential. And, uh, and it was one after the other. And I finally got to this stage where... Well, we've talked about this. I Certainly. Think. So, yeah. So. Ad north. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. So I guess I have no conclusion to the importance of a story about origins then. I, I will let that simmer and maybe return to it well, in a future record. I'm not even sure what we're talking about. Stories of, or you're talking about like genetic origins? You no, mean, I'm talking about you, you have a very well-defined story associated with your period of waking up. Oh, that. Okay. Mm. Yeah, that's a good story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you want to have a good story, too. Well, I'm just wondering what the importance of having a story is and whether oh, a story uh, is by its very uh, nature artificial uh, compared to a series of these kind of ethereal oh, yeah, emotions. I, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, but there are other phases of my life, that I think, where the changes were as profound, but they, but they were drawn out over a decade or so. Yes. At the end of which, I was no longer, I was as different from the person 10 years ago as that person 10 years ago was from the person 10 minutes before that, you know, Certainly. but, but, uh, that transformation has gone on several times now, though. Speaking of stories, I've had a story of late associated with finding a PR person with my various uh, projects. Yes. I put my toe in the water this week and approached, well, technically three, but actually four separate folk, but three separate firms associated with trying to retain a PR person for my yeah. various projects. So I, you found, th how did you locate these three? Uh, I'm looking We're, geographically just for folks in San Jose that are at least recommended. So you just Google personal uh, representatives or... Yeah, public relations public, people. Yeah, yes. okay, and you just came in and just, mm -hmm. yeah, and yeah, you know how to weed through that stuff, yeah. So I sent out emails and I got one email back, which is the only response that I received from the four emails and the one email back said we only we, and the title of the email was retaining a publicist for my projects and the response that i got back to paraphrase was we are only retained by entities 
we do not do projects. And I emailed them back saying, actually, I was looking to retain a PR person. Can you please let me know, you know, what your standard practice for retention is? And I received no response from that. <laughs> well, they must be doing okay. There's a phenomenon in this part of the world, which is exactly <laughs> that, that the quality of earnings that people have in their various positions mean that they, whether they are, um, you know, structural engineers looking to block up a basement or plumbers or a variety of folk, it's not the case that you're actually paying someone to do something. It's the case that working is an option for them and they will choose the work that they want to do. I've reflected quite heavily because there's probably... Well, not, wait a minute. I'm not sure I understand what you just said. You made a distinction between two things, mm -hmm. right? And those two things were what? Were like working like regular people do and... You mean like like I do? Yeah, like schlubs, like you I, and me. I, I go to work and exactly. they pay me. Yeah, well, okay. when you live in a remarkably wealthy place, you can actually choose who you work for. And this has bitten us continuously, particularly... Well, if you have a skill set that multiple people are willing to pay. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, that, that's Which is almost everything. In the world. But, well, I don't necessarily think that plumbers and, you know, painters and people like that behave in this way outside of this part of the world. Oh, they're... Oh, I see. Okay, yeah. I mean, the whole oh, thing I mean, doing they, a, a yeah. living means that... I mean, I can't imagine... I mean, I, I work in a different environment, but I can't imagine, you know, just saying, well, I, I'm not actually going to work on this project. I'm going to work on this project and this yeah. project. And yeah. Well, if you're the yeah. best, the best thing is if you are, I mean, you, you can scoff at plumbing, but mm. it actually there's probably a big difference between getting a plumber who knows what the fuck he's doing and one who doesn't. Quite you know, clearly. And, and if uh, they can build a reputation as being knowledgeable and reasonable and so-and-so, they can actually end up with more work than they can take. Clearly. You no, know? I'm not yeah. arguing with yeah. that. And we've yeah. employed tens of plumbers that are the ones that can't get employed. Yeah. And we found out why they, the ones that are good actually are able to selectively pick who they work for. Yeah, that's right. Because, because yeah, we get guys that can't replace pipes and bust other pipes while they're trying I know, to repair pipes. And it's amazing how incompetent you can actually be as a plumber. Uh, yeah, Amazing. yeah, it's it's well, uh, well, it's not just plumbing; it's really everything. Everything, yeah, without I mean, question. Yeah, anyway, I mean, yeah, when it comes to PR people, apparently in this part of the world, <laughs> it's pretty much the same. Yeah, I mean, I think I need to go to India. I don't know. I mean, my perspective is actually what normally happens in normal circumstances is, of course, you know, at the dinner parties and uh, cocktail soirees that uh, you know reputable intellectuals such as yourself and myself clearly attend. We would just bump into a public relations person and say, ah, Tiffany, you work in public relations. <laughs> yeah. Why don't do you, you come and yeah. help me on this project? Here's yeah. a little money. Let's do this thing. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. that just isn't open to me. So I'm in this kind of curious predicament of firstly, whether I just pay for like a, um, a wire company to take stuff that I write, which I could do. Or I keep pursuing this notion that I need a human being to interact with in order to generate this PR stuff. Well, but see, I still, if I, I'm imagining myself as being the person you're approaching and, mm. you know, that you want to hire me to do this, and I mm. still don't know what the fuck you want to do. Well, here's the thing. 
if you don't interact with me, you're going to remain blissfully in that state. I yeah. give, uh, I give, I mean, I'm not going to wow them with extensive words. These are web forms that you're filling out here, Aaron. Okay. Yeah. So, All right, you know, I provide a link to my main page, which has a link to a bunch of my projects, which yeah. also has some background on who I am. Now, truth be told, no one really knows what it means to work at Netflix outside of a small group of nerds in Silicon Valley, (laughs) you know, so, you know, maybe the cachet of working at Netflix doesn't translate to, uh, you know, Joe PR, but um, I don't know. I mean, it strikes me as really very strange that I have money to spend and in normal circumstances should be able to retain someone well, I'm sure swiftly. you can, uh, but yeah. you may have to just, yeah, be, you're, you just may not be looking in the right place. That's my suspicion. Yeah. Yeah. The next move is to San Francisco. Actually, I'm, I'm owed a few favors by a few curious people, and I think through those curious people, I might find a substance. Well, do you know office. anybody else who's using somebody that's done anything for them? Well, the problem is that most of them are in an, an agent relationship like i can't get into an agent relationship because there's no way an agent could make money through me well that's up to them well no because it's well i think you have to give them a product that's what i'm saying is what is your product they have to have something to sell let's start with i mean i have a variety of projects i don't mind the pr person selecting from that but let's start with short funk or even stone age Let's start with this as an existing audio work with two folk that come together. Let's start with short funk. That's easier. Yeah. So here's a body of work. I think there's some interesting backstory associated with who I am and what I've been doing for, you know, nine years in the field of podcasting and certainly testing the water and all this kind of stuff. I mean, my perspective is actually I'm very willing to work very heavily with this PR person to minimize the amount of work that I actually have to do. In fact, the large part of what I'm looking for here is just to instigate and motivate the creation of these documents that then become, you know, press releases. What's the difference between just, I mean, you're already doing short funk. You're going to continue to do it, mm-hmm. I assume. Yeah. So what's wrong with just doing that? Well, Making them available. Organic, there's a concept of organic growth, which has been everything that I've yeah. done, almost everything I've done to date. Yeah. And then you have this thing that's running along in parallel, which seems to be a relatively well-greased wheel of additional, you know, stuff, which is largely spun. And my perspective is I'm more than happy with organic growth, but I invest an awful lot of time into this stuff. And why not use some of my, you know, the spare, you know, the, the time that I'm paid for? Why not use the means of that? to, you know, see what is possible through okay. this other yeah. vista. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, what, yeah, you you don't want a regular <laughs> person at all. Yeah, you're looking in the wrong place. You're looking for a collaborator who's got the skills to figure out how to get your stuff. My experience okay. in the UK was not that way. My experience well, in the UK was actually working with someone who was a relatively junior PR person who wrote me, a page press release that I completely gutted and rewrote, passed back to her that she put out on a wire. I can work in that fashion. I'm fine with that. I just like to have someone who Uh is an instigator, who's a niggler, who's there in order to motivate the generation of this stuff. Now, it's true. Ah. I could remove the instigator, the niggler, what have you, and probably generate it on my own and put it out in these wire services. Yes. You know, $300 or whatever a pop. See how that goes. But actually, what I'm looking to do here is build a working relationship with someone who will instigate this, not just for a single thing, 
but like create a coherent narrative that yeah, could potentially like said, become you're, part of a strategy. Yeah, right. You're yeah. looking for a collaborator. No. Well, boy, it sure the, sounds like it to me. Well, except, firstly, a collaborator in these circumstances. I mean, for example, our relationship is moderately collaboratory, right, in some regard? Sure. And I would never expect you to do things within a time frame or for a particular purpose. Well, I, you'd have to, we'd have to negotiate something. <laughs> You wouldn't, I wouldn't assume that of anybody. <laughs> well, the difference is that when you pay someone to do something, you have a different oh, relationship a different, with them. Well, well, no, no. Well, I mean, yeah, that's it's different. But my sense is what counts is a commitment to do something. I don't give a shit whether you're getting paid for it or doing it for free. If you say you're going to do something, do it. Well, the problem is oftentimes, in fact, more often than not, plenty of people say plenty of stuff that doesn't actually. No, I know most yeah. people most yeah. of the time are full of shit. Yeah. They'll say anything they need to to get through the next 15 minutes. Exactly. And uh, with no intention whatsoever Certainly. of actually, Certainly. you know, and like I said, that's totally, I mean, that has to disappear. I can't imagine a planet that has people that work like that. Yeah, I think that's the only thing that's guaranteed to continue through this current planet. Oh, but see, I don't think it is. I think it's easily, uh, apparently, uh, that was the way many of the American, uh, Native American languages operated. From what I've, you know, some mythical stuff I've read somewhere along the line. But, you know, I don't know. Can we'll you clarify that to me? <laughs> that they, that they, that, well, one of them was that the idea of lying mm -hmm. apparently had not occurred to them. You, have you seen the movie The Invention of Lying? Uh, <laughs> great movie. Well, great, I don't know, but it was a is, neat idea. Is it um, a Mel Brooks movie? No, no, no. It's, I don't, re I don't even remember now, but it's about a society in which everybody just tell, tells the truth all yeah. the time. Every, I mean, it's just the idea. And then this one guy <laughs> figures out that he can lie. Yeah, it's a seminal <laughs> element of noble ape, actually, the notion that the noble apes tell the truth in all circumstances until, as you say, a lying noble ape enters their midst. Yeah. 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 So, um, so we're talking about collaboration and somehow it became talking about Native American languages. But I guess my perspective is that what I'm looking for is a very particular skill set. I'm very similar to the comic book artist. My perspective is that this skill set exists. And yeah. It and exists there are people who are theme. good at it. And yes. Yeah. Yeah. They don't even but need to be particularly good at it. All they need to do is instigate and motivate and do this over a period of time. It's a bit like a, a, a trainer, like a physical fitness trainer. Yeah. I mean, this is what I'm looking for here. I'm looking for instigation, refinement, and release. Instigation, refinement, and release. Okay. See, that strikes me as a, a myth, but maybe well, not. Well, maybe. I've had this experience once. I mean, I've employed someone once to do this. Yeah. And certainly there was nothing particularly extraordinary through that experience. It seemed like it was just something that I could do relatively easily. Yeah, and what became of it? Uh, I left the UK. And firstly, the work, the stuff that was generated through that one press release worked for about six months, and then I left the UK. Oh, okay. Well, listen, I don't see, I, 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 yeah, there's nothing I can really contribute to this, yeah. I guess, because it's not something I'm currently concerned with. But Certainly. I can see that, that I probably will be in the not too distant future. Yeah. You know, things, you know, it's in my, inside me are coagulating, crystallizing, and, and so, I don't know just when, but 
Mm. I mean, I find particularly, I mean, through this form, you periodically get, and I've lamented this, that you'll get people that are very excited about Stone Ape, kind of become part of the community with a big bang. And then within a few weeks, it's just like, where's so-and-so? What's, you know, what's their newest, latest shiny that they're interested <laughs> in? Because it sure isn't. Yeah. Stone Ape anymore. So yeah, yeah. my perspective with collaboration mm-hmm. is, you know, it's wonderful in certain circumstances. I mean, Bob Mottram is well, it's, what it's I return rare. to. For, it's, it's a once know. or twice in a lifetime deal. It, yeah, it, it's, well, a, it's a very rare thing if you can find someone that you can actually work with. At least it's yeah. been rare in my life. You know. Yes. And my perspective associated with public relations and press releases and all this other kind of stuff is it exists in an economic and a commercial domain, oh, oh, yeah. which is not necessarily... Yeah, well, it's not the area that I am part of. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And rather than embedding oh, myself in this, I'd much rather just hire someone to do yeah, this. Yeah, I, I agree with you completely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now it's just a matter of finding that person. Yeah, yeah, but I still think you're going to need to find... Well, you know, good luck. Yeah. No, <laughs> yeah. I mean, all, all that can happen is this thing can spread and spread and spread until I have someone in Kansas City that I'm working with. Well... What? Yeah. Well, the main thing is is or not the main thing. Listen what, to that language. Listen, listen, there, listen to this. Listen to this guy rant. <laughs> you know. Um. Well, now that's totally sidetracked me. Said, <laughs> well, good for me. Yes. <laughs> yes. In any case, so to be continued. Watch this space. Who knows where this thing will lead? Ah, 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 uh-huh. ah. ah. Oh, the issue was what? What the point is? Are why are you doing um, the short funk? I mean, is is it something you're doing because it's something you're going to do, or is it something you're doing to get ratings or to turn it into something? Or you? I mean, it it seems like it should be worthy. In and of itself is, is your, what, your input into the world or Certainly. something. Certainly. And that's, that's, you can have experiments without them necessarily having a purpose to them. My perspective with regards to short funk is it's a challenge. It's a challenge on a daily basis to produce a piece of audio that will capture a particular audience. Okay. So it's intended to capture, oh, see, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the, well, that's the issue: is what, uh, wh- who is the audience that we're going to capture with this? Or that, well, yeah, a good number you're of them capture with that. Yeah. A, a few are not Stone Ape listeners. A good number of Stone Ape listeners. But my perspective is, this is something that's independent of Stone Ape. It's oh yeah, no, it's completely Model yeah. Rail Radio and all no, these other things. No, it's Tom In that regard, it provides something interesting and coherent to test. Huh. You know, to dip my toe in the water associated with this broader. Idea, which is historically I've been perfectly happy with organic growth, but you know, organic growth has taken me so far and it'll take me so far in the next decade. But what happens if this thing is injected or, you know, put into a discussion which is relatively tightly controlled? Suppose it's successful. What would that look like? What would that even mean? What would change? Suppose, yeah, short funk, uh, Achieved your wildest expectations. So what kind of post model rail radio numbers. I don't know. Maybe maybe it is that I, you know, become a speaker, become a thinker. I'm invited and allowed to refuse talking at TED. <laughs> I mean, all these kind of things that we aspire <laughs> all the to. Same, the, the same old shit we all want. <laughs> yeah. Except maybe slightly more successfully than some. You know. I guess my perspective associated with organic growth is that I don't want to sneeze at it. 
and it's a great way of cultivating. Well, as long as it's exponential, it, you can you, ha you well, have. Well, linear. To, I'm satisfied with linear. No linear. No linear ain't. Gonna, no, I think that's exactly the wrong model. That if if what you're doing is linear, it ain't going to work. I mean, well, it's it going to work, work for a while. Means here. I mean, what does work mean in this well, context? I mean, create some system that will. Well, no, I'm not sure what I mean. Never mind. I'm still, I'm still working this shit out. Exactly. And that's, that's my purpose for being here, Aaron, is to instigate this yeah. as well in your direction. Yeah. However, yeah. I guess it's going to be an ongoing experiment. Next week, I'm going to be in San Francisco paying hajj to our great fruit overlords and, uh, yeah, seeing what comes out at WWDC. <sighs> that's next week. Next week. Yes. Hmm. Starting a day early. In what, fact. Monday or what? Monday. Yeah. So who knows what uh, what will be released through that? I think even working closely with Apple, none of us have a clue. No, who knows, you know? Shit. It's one of these great things where people just assume because you work with Apple on a periodic basis yeah, that, that, that you, you have insights. Yeah, that, that you and uh Yeah. And what's his name have lunch Tim you Cook. and Johnny, yeah. Oh Johnny or, Ives. Yeah, yes. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Sipping lattes together. Yeah, yeah. Must be nice. That, I mean, what's particularly curious about the fruit factory is last year they had an announcement, which was probably missed by a majority of the non-super nerds, that they were releasing a new language called Swift. Yeah, right. I have it on good advice that when this was announced, the internal mailing lists at Apple fired up because no one even at Apple knew that they were going to be releasing this language. Uh -huh. And I think that's just indicative of the nature of the fruit factory, that this stuff is... I think they probably have lots of ideas that are just floating around and they've got mm. enough money to fund. They sweep it all together and pass Well, it's just yes, their black ops offer yeah. stuff, you know? It makes yeah. perfectly good sense. What If you got that much cash and you're playing the game they're playing, fuck yes, man. <laughs> you could fund any number of quite expensive and very interesting projects. Without question. And I think they have a perspective associated with a certain degree of commercial success. I mean, this is the, the interesting question mark yeah. associated with the watch. I mean, I'm, my heart rate has dropped now I own the watch. <laughs> it's demonstrably dropped. It's actually quite strange now. Better be careful. <laughs> no, it's in the healthy range. I mean, it's dropped from, you know, being in the hundreds to now not even, I, I think one day last week I broke a hundred and the rest of the time I was comfortably between 60, 70 through most yeah. of the week. Yeah. It's astonishing, actually, because it re reinforces. And this is like measuring your blood. This is like averaging over the day or something or what? How do no, this is, a, this is a range of my heart rate. Well, I know, but I'm, well, BPM. your heart rate will range widely in a day. Exactly. But mine is ranging currently from about 80 to 50. Uh -huh. And historically, I could break. 120 quite comfortably. Okay, all right. And you're just doing pretty much the same stuff. But exactly. Yeah, I'm just yeah, mindful yeah. now of yeah. this Yeah, thing. I got it. That's uh, yeah, be, yeah, being aware changes a whole hell of a lot. It's astonishing. It? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was a yeah. strong advocate for the power of the mind, but now this is just... It's astonishing. It's when you get, yeah, when you get real feedback. Yeah. Well, there's, I just put something on my wall yesterday or something about how the the awareness of of a process necessarily changes it. Certainly. It, it cannot be any other way. Exactly. You turn your attention to something, and it will change. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's it's beyond astonishing. Well, congratulations, man. 
the you final thing buy, I had. I myself a watch. <laughs> <laughs> I, look, seriously, Herod, I mean, I... Well, it's, it's clearly I don't need a watch. So the question is whether I need uh, a an Apple. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, whether I need an Apple uh, device on my. What I want to see is the potential. I mean, that screen is so limited; it's hmm. ridiculous. But and you don't yet, use the screen the same way you use. Well, your no, that's right. This is a whole new world. Yeah. It's it, it, and I think it's probably going to take a while for developers to come around to the fact that this is a new universe this size screen and it'll be interesting to see what kind of i mean maybe even are there any games for the phone yet none that i know of although who knows what happens in the future i mean my perspective is it's following pretty well line and verse the original phone associated with what came out initially yeah, and what yeah. might come out in the future yeah, yeah. So well, that's yes. about right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's only, it's only well, it's going new to... territory. Yes. You know, nobody, but it would be interesting to see what people, you know, what the developers come up with now. Yeah. Now, the exercise I... portion we've also used. I mean, I use, my wife uses it as well. And it's really very astonishing to know, you know, roughly how many calories you're burning a day. And mm. I think it actually affects. Well, that's easy to tell by a scale. <laughs> well, that's very interesting. It is to a certain extent. Well, if you weigh yourself every day at a certain time, yeah. uh, you know, in certain circumstances, you can f- track your, your weight very but precisely. But that's not associated. I mean, calories have a different quality because no, they have a water no. component to them oh, as yeah. well. Yeah. This no, is not... no, it's more information. Yeah, it's, it's right. not like for like there. It's almost, but not quite. Yeah. Well, it's, it's probably better actually. Yeah. It's more precise. You know? Yeah. Because certainly I know when I drink a lot of water, it will affect me in a variety of different ways, you know, in terms of all kinds oh. of you know, all kinds of measurements and all kinds of things. Whereas this <laughs> appears to be certainly based on heart rate and general movement that it's tracking a very interesting metric. I'm not saying that it's super accurate. I'm just saying I find it very interesting to know, you know, that it's possible for me doing a certain amount of exertion to burn, you know, 1400 calories doing a certain number of things. Yeah, d- like walking around at work. Yeah, or, <laughs> yeah, know, or stuff like walking that. around Sydney or these kind yeah. of things. So, yeah. And the other thing is also the connection between miles, the kind of exercise that you're doing and the calories that you're burning. I'm not a particularly strong advocate for these kind of things normally, but the having the watch on me has changed my thinking association. Yeah, yeah, I understand. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I got it. Yeah. The, iP- the iPad changed my life that way. Mm. Uh, it, it just, it was a game changer. You know, it's just, this, this is now part of my life. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and I can see how, you know, a wrist device might, might be something I'll get. Actually, that makes more sense, getting a wrist device. <laughs> yes. I could go for one of them, hell. <laughs> but I'll need a bigger screen. I need a wraparound screen. So. Mm. Yeah, I want something lot sexy. That thing is clunky looking. Hmm. Well, it looks vintage. I mean, with the leather band. Uh, it's so fat. I mean, you know, I, I used to, you know, I like nice pens, mm-hmm. and I also like nice watches. I've had mm-hmm. a couple of good watches. I mean, no Rolexes or mm-hmm. anything, but, you know, I don't even remember their names now. But one of the things about them is they were really thin. Mm. You know, they were extremely thin. You, mm. They were almost, you know, they were just beautiful. God, you know. Mm. So, um, 
you know, and that fucking Apple Watch is just a clunker. <laughs> well, for this generation, give it no, two I guess or three it's style. No, yeah, and yeah. Rolex and stuff are, are clunkers. So. But it's also associated with actually getting the technology integrated in the device and well, a variety of factors. Well, and yeah. getting it to work. Shit, how yeah. much battery is in there? Yeah. That, that thing's, and then, yeah, the idea of putting games on there. <laughs> shit. <laughs> That's going to be a battery killer for sure. <laughs> I went with my spiritual advisor to see Mad Max on Saturday. Oh, yeah. And I have to thoroughly recommend it. It was far better than I expected. It took the participant in a wide variety of different yeah. directions. Well, I held the visuals in the in the uh, trailers are enough to convince me. Yes, I think <laughs> you it's, know, if yeah. it happens to have anything else going for it, cool. <laughs> yes, no, it is. It is very much of that ilk, and I guess, I, yeah, no. I mean, in terms of post-apocalyptic environments, it certainly <laughs> had a lot going for it. Oh yeah. yeah. The emotion that I had leaving the cinema was that. I feel Don't spoil it for I'm me. I'm not going to, exactly. but I feel in large part apocalyptic prepared, certainly in the environment in which I live and these kind I'm of things. I'm prepared to die, Tom. <laughs> I'm prepared to die. In terms of the post-apocalyptic environment? or just Yeah, well, I mean, you know, if, if the world really goes to shit, there, you know, there may come a time when <laughs> it's over. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, certainly I reflect on earthquakes in that light. We had a large truck drive past work today, and because it's such a highly sprung environment, things started shaking accordingly. And occasionally, <laughs> occasionally my wife will get up in the night or something will happen, yeah. and the bed will vibrate, and I'll just think, this is an earthquake, this yeah, is it, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. brace yourself. But I slept through the last one, so... Yeah, maybe it won't. How many? Happen. How many have you experienced? I think I've probably experienced three earthquakes. One was close to the any dramatic. No, one. My the Santa Rosa quake of two thousand was one where I was basically on the point of the fault. Oh, and, really? Okay. Um, so that was pretty dramatic then. Yeah. No, I mean, I certainly saw the walls like warp and these kind of things. <laughs> I mean, I felt the I felt the earthquake. How like, long did it last? Uh. I woke up during it. It was probably at most two minutes. Oh, that's a long time. Two minutes. Jesus. Well, it was, right. a, it was one and then another in a period. So there was one and then I paused. And 45 then seconds is a long, long. Well, right. but yeah. these happen in period. <laughs> they rarely happen one at a time, right? I mean, they rarely well, happen. Well, I haven't. Uh, yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes not. No, I'm. Yeah. Yeah. I, actually, my experience. Is that usually there's w one, mm. and then there's maybe another sort of something after yeah, that. Yeah, that was the Santa Rosa one. Yeah. Was, there was one major one, and yeah. then, like I said, I've lived here all my life, so yeah. I've been through lots of these things. Yeah. <laughs> the only one when there were two was that uh, that one when I was up at Big Bear, mm. and, <laughs> and then I was at the epicenter. Yes. <laughs> that yeah. was such fun. <laughs> now that I look back on it. <laughs> That could have been a different world. Yes. But my conclusion from the, uh, from watching, uh, the Mad Max movie. Yeah. Was that I don't actually own any bullets. <laughs> and as it oh, happened. Well, you need bullets. As it happened, I, we got home, the mail arrived, and there was a discounted bullet sale on the front <laughs> of the first piece of mail. 
Ah, so I put $40 in. My bullets haven't arrived yet, but I don't know what I'll do with them when they get here because I don't have anything that'll actually fire bullets. Yeah, well, now but, you know at least what kind of gun to have. Well, I have those. <laughs> I have the bits of that kind of gun. I just need to assemble the bits of that kind of gun. Yeah. With a- See, this whole issue here is, mm. is, I mean, my answer to all this is I'm not going to play that. Oh, I'm not going to play the game with guns. If I'm yeah. going to go armed, I'm going to get fucking surface-to-surface missiles. Yes. I'm not going to play the gun game. Yeah. So probably I'm not going to play the (laughs) surface-to-surface missile game either. So that means I may be out of the game unless I can find some way to make myself valuable in some other way. Yeah. I mean, my perspective, we've discussed this previously, is that I have a lot of qualities of value, but not the kind of qualities of value that a mob may necessarily well, uh, well, but then you have to be clever in how you market yourself. <laughs> yes, or just stay away from the mobs. Stay away from the looters, yes. Well, yes, or change your story. <laughs> mm. Mm. To, well, again, the, the whole thing becomes very interesting. It's all story anyway. <laughs> and so what are we trying to do here? Yes. Change the story. Yes. And, yeah, the notion of storage and these kind of things, I guess there are places I can put them, and I certainly have plenty of the um, desiccated, you know, whatever, silica packets yeah. that I can throw in with them. Uh, but, yeah, I'm thinking maybe there might be a commodity. What would you do with a gun? Um, well, if I was in my space, this is where it gets very interesting, because you've got two relatively introspective, occasionally depressive people living in an environment. And that seems to be a dangerous combination associated with adding a firearm and potentially here because I've got enough bits for like six firearms. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, the write-up in the paper afterwards will be real interesting. Yes, most definitely, <laughs> if such a thing exists at the time. Yeah, probably. They're, and they're, you're actually probably an agent of ISIS, I would imagine, given all the shit they're going to find on your computer. Well, yes. <laughs> the, the, the pleasure that I will have is that they will have to listen to at least 600-plus <laughs> hours of audio, which should no doubt. Yeah, employ, yeah that's right. Yeah. All government expense. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we, we might have a like a Judas Stonate listener that's kept copious quantities of notes. <laughs> Jim Lincoln, I'm looking at you, with the view that uh, yeah, there are probably you know lines and uh, scribed away things on on episode 71 at minutes 3:50. Tom was heard to say such and such. Yeah. Well, I've I guess I've really cooked my goose, haven't I? I've said all sorts of shit. So. <laughs> It's too well, late. just not delivered on any of those things. So, well, it's not up to me to deliver. I'm just, I'm just uh, the messenger, you know. Yeah, as as the NSA recorders are primed, I'll dive into the next topic, which is the last on my list, and that is associated with Nazi literature. We talked last recording about deconstructing Nazi literature as a means of taking elements from that and using it with regards to the current Caterpillar business and making it appear passe to a, a, a pluralist from a variety of different mm. locations yeah. audience. What I found in this Nazi literature, which was actually really fascinating, all of it was written from people in authority. All of the people who were there were either generals of some description who'd written these articles, were either generals 
or doctors okay. or generals okay. that were doctors. People with titles, general exactly. doctor. <laughs> and what it made me realize is actually <laughs> the the establishment, the authoritarian establishment oh, man. is exactly what needs to be ridiculed here in some quite creative way. <laughs> well, Monty Python always did a pretty good job exactly. of that. <laughs> they were, in fact, our uh, philosopher kings associated Absolutely. With you know, yeah, they're still just as relevant today as yeah. they ever were. Everybody, quit listening to this. Go watch all of the Monty Python TV episodes. Yeah, they're Couldn't all available on YouTube. Better. Yeah, it's yeah. gorilla epistemology. Exactly. With occasional fish slapping. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it struck me. It was strange because I came to it with the view that I could probably learn different things from it, but that was the only thing that I really took away from reading the stuff cover to cover. It's quite... Um, I mean, certainly from the five stupidities, you could get a lot of fodder through these particular writers. But it strikes me of writing from a position of authority and also a position of, I don't know, like we've done the work for you so you don't have to do any digging yourself, <laughs> which is so totally ingrained and, and with people the bought that. Well, I get, again, you have to, what year was this? Uh, the four, the late thirties, early forties. Okay, I mean, that, really, that was a very different universe. Well, you you assert that, but actually, a lot of the same, a lot of the propagandists that came from the Nazis came straight over to this country and started working for Hollywood. No, I know a lot of the same. There was a lot learned there. That was that's important. But I'm just saying the sophisticated, you know, people really. Well, they're all a bunch of unconscious language yes. monkeys, but. They're not nearly as unconscious as they were 50 years ago. It's, mm. it's changed dramatically. I've seen it in my lifetime. It's well, just you, you assert this, but you also assert that the World War II generation is a superior generation in some regard. Uh, well, in some regards, yeah. Mm. yeah. No, they were pretty stuck in their story, but their story at least was sort of benign. <laughs> you know? Yes. I think that's it. They, had a ben they were stuck in their story, but it was a benign story. It wasn't a malignant story. I went into a CVS pharmacy this afternoon, in fact, early this evening, just before getting on the recording with you, and I overheard, uh, I don't know, a dispute between an older gentleman and a woman who I think was probably a prostitute. I mean, I'm pretty clear that she was a prostitute, because I kind of caught wind of her flailing her arms, and she didn't look anything like the fellow who she referred to as Daddy excessively and recently. <laughs> and this daddy character then said to her that she owed him money and that she needed to get this money for This him. was outside of the pharmacy. No, no, this pharmacy. is literally queuing. I was going to get some... Oh, this is two people in line. In line at the pharmacy. <laughs> the pharmacy. And the, the, Shit. the woman claimed that she was looking for cycling Time gloves. to move, Tom. <laughs> well, this is where it gets interesting. So I held my breath for as long as possible, waiting in line as one does to try and move forward with the view that this gentleman was right behind me. And he stuck, he struck up a conversation with me associated with FDR. As you do after you've just sent your prostitute on her way to find cycling gloves. And I realized that he had, um, he had that, uh, disease where basically your, your like throat grows abnormally large. Um, oh, goiter. Goiter, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And he was talking very highly associated with FDR, and I thought to myself, I know... How quite, old was this guy? Uh, 
well, he hadn't looked after himself, but I would assume he's probably in his 60s, maybe a little earlier, maybe a little later. Okay, that's still before his time. I mean, FDR has nothing to do with me. I mean, not not as a yeah. So maybe maybe well. Yeah. Anyway, he he struck a conversation with me associated with whether I'd seen the documentary on PBS associated with FDR, and I said no, I hadn't. And he said a few things, and I said it's interesting that he had a three-term presidency. <laughs> and he said to me, "Well, that's the way the people wanted it." And I thought, "Yeah, do I actually have this discussion with him?" He'd also been remarkably positive associated with the bombings of uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Yeah. And I thought, well, in normal circumstances, I might actually have a conversation with this fellow because he just decided to strike up a conversation with me. But then I kind of realized that that his, not his daughter, but the person who referred to him as daddy probably could have beaten me down or at least some, done some kind of bizarre physical assault on me if I'd struck up in any way a negative conversation. I realized... <laughs> this is just the so I, I made sure I went and got the medicine very quickly and as I was leaving he said to me good luck to you and I said thank you and moved on my way yes yeah that's it makes me wonder if a certain yeah. if 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 the kind of older gentleman that likes to use cheap hookers can recognize me as someone who you could have a conversation with associated with FDR very curious predicament to be in, but one that I will put out to the Stone Ape list. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. I uh, I like crazies, you know? I mean, as long as I can first establish that I'm more or less safe. <laughs> well, this is what I didn't have here, because the idea yeah. of a belligerent, in particular, the nature of their discussion was so physically violent or so verbally violent that I thought this is so clearly someone who's unhinged and someone who controls yeah. someone who's unhinged. Yeah, yeah, that's not a good situation to get involved in. Yeah. So. Yeah, see, well, that's why I'm a hermit. You know, I go out, I spend as little time as possible out in the world. When I'm out there, I know how to deal with it. You know, mm. they're very limited situations, just fine. Yes. I know all the all the checkers at Ralph's. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this fellow My knew, social life. This fellow knew the pharmacist. In fact, <laughs> truth be told, I kind of know the pharmacist as well because we strike up conversations periodically. Yeah. Well, if you see people regularly, you know, yeah. and these, you know, I mean, you, you just end up having some sort of cordial, superficial relationship, you know. <laughs> yes. Which is kind of interesting. And apparently that passes for friendship, I think, for for many people much of the time. Yeah. Sort of cordial abstract, non-threatening, <laughs> you know, uh, I don't know. Am I right or am I being overly I've completely analytic? lost track of what the concept of friendship means. I yeah. mean, some of it is yeah. through being a married man, but some of it is also just, I don't know, it's not necessarily a, a hermit lifestyle. To I, me, a friendship, I mean, I can, I can count. The, my friends, real friends that I've seen over my lifetime on one hand. Yeah. You know, and that's stretching it some probably. Yeah. I guess that probably the only person who I may have once considered a friend through my general existence is also the fellow who came and stayed here for like three oh, nice. weeks. And yeah. Generally kind of abused for friendship <laughs> through that period of time. Which led me wondering what does friendship actually mean in an existential sense? <sighs> Well, what is that? I mean, screw existential. Well, it means something to a lot of people. I mean, certainly, you know. It means what what you do with it. That's what it means. Yeah. 
And if you choose to disregard it, then well, there's not an it there. It's not a. It's a reification. You know, friendship. There is, yeah, friendship. There's no such thing as friendship that has qualities that you can either have or not. You know, like people wondering, geez, I, I think I love him. Mm. Well, that's so fucking stupid. You know, it's like, I think I'm in Georgia. Yes. No, no, where's the line? No, 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 I'm not in Georgia yet. <laughs> you know, then I'll be in Georgia. Yeah. Love is not like that. And friendship is not like that. It's just, it's just a sequence of phonemes but if you can count it on one of your hands then it has some quality that you're willing to acknowledge well, well, well yeah you, 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 again you have to def- if you ask some people they'll tell you oh yeah i've got hundreds of friends yes look at facebook <laughs> for example yeah right yes i've, I've yeah. got hundreds of friends and and that's as far as they need to go yeah you know and god bless them they're not my species yeah <laughs> I mean, there's an element of reliability. There's a, there are a series of things that I just don't find in Homo sapiens. They're just not qualities that seem to exist in Homo sapiens. Well, I think it, again, I, my sense is you're talking about maybe one to one to five percent of humans, I guess, or something, are somewhere in the in the, this game. Yeah, and uh, you'd hope and that it, were the case. Maybe. Well, yeah, well, I'm just... I guess it's the element of personal just... responsibility as well, that when I meet people that have a lot of friends, they tend to be people that I wouldn't... Like, you know, their standards yeah. and descriptive terms... See, the thing is, yeah, I don't think you can really tell. The, the people that you really... You know, I mean, it's not impossible to have a bunch of superficial acquaintances and be conscious enough to have actual friends. Mm. You know, so... I don't think you, I think it's difficult to tell. I mean, that's part of, I think, what I'm still trying to learn is who can I trust? Who actually, you know, has gone beyond the old ways yes. and is out there exploring and who's just, you know, trying to look good? Yes. And I mean, I, I don't know how to tell myself <laughs> half the time. So, yes. you know, they talk about, but faking it until you make it. <laughs> yes. Heron, I'm going to have to cut it short this evening. I'm pretty exhausted from today, and I have an early start tomorrow. This is a kind of a teaser, really, Stone Ape podcast. Apologies to the listeners as well, but I'm about to collapse in a puddle here, and I think it's probably best that we uh, conclude it while I'm still remotely coherent. Okay. I'll talk Good. to you next week. Actually, well, let's play yeah. by ear next week because I'll be coming back from WWDC that day. So oh, yeah, yeah. Who knows if I'll actually yeah. be here. And, and what are you going to see tomorrow or tomorrow night? Uh, we're going – so this is one of the things associated with being a married man that your wife occasionally tells you we're going to an open-air concert. Oh. And I quizzed her specifically based on your quizzing of me about what kind of open-air concert, and apparently it's Romeo and Juliet. Okay, well, it's just, uh, okay, so it's actually an open air play, not an open air concert. No, my understanding is, I don't want to get this wrong. I think it might be Tchaikovsky, but there is actually. Well, there's a ballet. No, this isn't a ballet. This is. Well, Romeo Tchaikovsky wrote a ballet called, you know, on Romeo and That's what I thought as well, but it's. They don't often, I mean, often it's performed just as a musical piece. Ah, okay, that's it. Okay, there, I got it. That's what they're doing. That's their main. They're probably going to do more than that, but they're doing. Let's see. I mean, I, I don't know, but that's what I'm going to go see yeah. tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's the musical score to the ballet and it's been. Reduced. That's what I would think. Yeah. 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 It's a great piece of music. Awesome stuff. Yeah. You're going to love it. I'm sure I will. Oh, anyway, Chikotsky. maybe, maybe I'll talk to you next week. Maybe it'll be the week following. Okay. Take care. All see right. Ya. Bye.